Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip. A podcast for diverse millennials to help make sense of COVID-19 and the decisions made by our political leaders. Stay tuned as we parse through the weekly events and announcements that impact us. Shall we? Let's do it. Hey everybody, Curtis here. You'll notice that my voice sounds a little muffled throughout the podcast, and I really apologize for that. But the good news is that the problem's been solved, so I'll sound a lot better on future episodes. Thanks in advance for your patience as we grow. So, we are 20 days from the declaration of a state of emergency, uh, which was made on March 17th. In Canada, declaring a state of emergency is done to empower the government to take extraordinary measures to address a problem. This means that they have powers that are over and above what they normally have because of the need for expediency. Economist Milton Friedman said that, quote, only a crisis, actual or perceived, produces real change. So when this crisis occurs, the actions that are taken depend on the ideas lying around, end quote. There are lots of changes happening around this crisis that I think will be difficult to come back from. No doubt. I, no doubt whatsoever. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that that's the case. <laughs> if, I, if I think particularly about, for example, the need to commute to and from work every day, that should change. Man, tell me about it. I commute uh, about three hours every day if I, if I count my to and fro. It's, it's really bad. It's disgusting. And then when we tie that now to the fact that we know we need to reduce our greenhouse gas mm-hmm. emissions, we know that we need more serious about climate change. Well, this is going to be a great way for us to be serious about that by taking more vehicles off the road. And by the way, we'll be helping families to spend more time together. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, I'm To be honest, I'm really glad that we had Trudeau at the helm of this. You don't say it's funny. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't think that we would have had the same levels of empathy and care and consideration for every single Canadian had we had a different leader. Well, this is the thing. I mean, we, we might, I mean, I'm pretty sure that a Jagmeet Singh would have been good for the country as well uh, in terms of care and empathy for those who need it. But let's, let's be real. The most likely outcome, if not Trudeau would have been an Andrew Scheer administration. And I can assure you that there would not be as much empathy. Um, There would not be as much care to ensure that there's a focus, that there are direct payments to individuals. I mean, just look at what the Conservative Party has been 
forcing the government's hand on. It's been money for small businesses. Not that that's bad, because businesses need to ensure that when this is all said and done, they can get back on their feet quickly so our economy gets back on its feet quickly. Mm -hmm. But conservatives typically focus more on business. And that's not what's, there has to be a more balanced approach right now. And Trudeau is the best person for that balanced approach. And I'm glad that you said balanced because I, I agree with everything that you said about um, Andrew Scheer. But in terms of, of Jagmeet Singh, I think that um, Trudeau truly has a balanced kind of view of, of Canada. Like, and not to say that, that, that Jagmeet Singh wouldn't have paid as much attention to you know, Quebec and to Northern Canada. But I do see that kind of attention to detail in Trudeau's administration. And I, I won't necessarily attribute it all to Justin Trudeau as a leader, but as 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 someone who has um, very intentionally built a team of people to support him who kind of come from from all over Canada, I think really adds to his lens during this crisis. Absolutely. And, and just to add to that, in terms of bringing people together who have a certain lens on Canada, uh, it's my opinion that Justin Trudeau has done something that uh, prime ministers have not been able to do in some time, which is actually bring experts to the cabinet table. Uh, case in point is Deputy Prime Minister Christopher Freeland. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a claimed historian and writer who has been focused on uh, improving life for the middle class over the past few years. She, this is what she's been all about. Mm-hmm. And so, in my opinion, we're now seeing, <laughs> I'm just going to say it, I think we're seeing what Justin Trudeau and his government have wanted to do for some time, which is spend the appropriate amount of money to ensure that holes are filled or gaps are filled in society. <laughs> This is a really good segue into our next segment, right? Into our our segment on on the economics of COVID-19. Absolutely. So it's interesting. Canada initially set aside $107 billion in stimulus to help Canadians get through the pandemic. And in fact, it was a little less than that before it reached that $107 figure. Do you know what it's at right now? I, I don't. I can't keep up. <laughs> I, I I can barely keep up. Okay, oh I'm going to be real here and say that I found this information from somebody else who may not even be that sure herself. But yeah. the ballpark is apparently somewhere in the two hundred billion dollar range. Wow! For measures announced over the past two weeks alone. And chances are that more money will be made available soon, since we know we haven't yet turned the corner in fighting this virus. And as Trudeau has repeatedly said, nothing's off the table. Mm -hmm. For context, in the last federal budget, there was $27 billion in new money for programs over five years. That's $27 billion over five years, okay? Mm -hmm. We're now spending $200 billion in a matter of weeks. Wow. And it makes sense to spend all this cash. The numbers show that 2.1 million people applied for EI in the second half of March alone, I'm sure many of our listeners have done the same. Mm-hmm. For context, in February, there were 20 million people working. So that's 10% of jobs essentially wiped out in two weeks. Crazy. Right. And the 
the PBO says the employment rate could be as high as 15%, and that's that our growth could be the weakest on record since 1962. So let's be clear here. The money being spent is absolutely necessary, and I think the overwhelming majority of Canadians support the measures. The question is, is it enough? And are the measures being felt widely enough? What about essential workers? Many of the so-called essential jobs, such as blue-collar workers that are keeping factories running by making toilet paper and sanitation products, or those responsible for staffing pharmacies and delivering groceries, have no option to work from home and are less likely to have paid leave and health coverage. They're also more likely to be women or people of color. Now, we know people die every day. In fact, there's a quote from uh, in Economist, he says, people die because of their position in society all the time, but it's usually not on the national news and it's revealing a lot of these deeper structural problems with the way we organize social life. Okay. This is what, this is what I, this is when it gets good for me. Please continue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how are we going to ensure that when this is all said and done, we have rearranged social life so that We don't have these problems moving forward. Exactly. And you know what? People keep bringing up something that I I just want to put out into the, into the stratosphere. I know that we're not going to have any answers for this, but you know, after all this is said and done, all of the, 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 the people have kind of, um, you know, been, been treated better, have gotten some wage subsidies is the plan to turn it back, you know? So for instance, Loblaws workers across the country have been given an additional $2 um, mm-hmm. per hour to, to you know, live up to their status as essential workers. Is mm-hmm. that going to disappear come July or come September, whenever this is over? I certainly hope not. And we need answers. And that's not, that's actually not even on the government, right? That's on the large corporations that have been running Canada. I also have a question about you know, the, this $200 billion that came out of thin air, <laughs> uh, how are we going to pay for that? Uh, what's, what are we going to do? Because it does take countries quite, quite a couple of years or quite a, couple of, quite a few decades, rather, to recover from a recession or a depression. So is it safe to say that we're kind of walking into a, a long-term era of um, austerity, you know, of kind of living in a society where taxes will be high and there won't be a lot of economic activity because people will be um, so burdened from this moment? I think to answer that question, you have to consider the government of the day. Yeah. And here's another thing to consider as well. I was just reading about this earlier this morning, where there was an opinion piece in the Globe and Mail talking about what world governments are doing and how they're spending money and how it is absolutely necessary to spend all that is required. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because even if we spend a whole bunch of money and even some of it is wasted and the reality still is that doing that would cost far less than allowing the virus to run its course without any measures whatsoever. It would be Mm -hmm. far more of a problem. It'd be far more painful if we let it run its course without any measures. So we know that governments are going to continue to to spend money as necessary. The question, though, as you just pointed out, what will happen when the taps stop flowing? Mm -hmm. 
Now, it is my opinion that more progressive governments are going to take the approach um, more balanced in ensuring that through taxation and other means, government is made whole while not while not downloading responsibility of paying down debt onto individuals. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to make it very clear once again, we don't have to take that route. Now, at the same time, when we look at what government is spending now through business to keep business afloat, there's a considerable amount of money being spent. Federal government is spending $70 billion on wage subsidies for companies. And I know there's a lot of people who probably hear that and say, why should companies get money? But there's a good reason. I already pointed out that the employment insurance figures are stark at the moment. And now we're about to hear some of these figures represented in job losses at certain companies. For example, WestJet laid off half of its workforce earlier in March. Air Canada laid off 5,000 flight attendants. Air Transat laid off 70% of its entire workforce. That's thousands of people. And outside of travel, notable layoffs include Leon's. So they need to get back on their feet too. If, if companies do not have its roles still in place, people filling those roles, it's going to lead to an even slower rebound after this process is complete. It's going to lead to poverty. Absolutely. It is going to lead to depression level poverty. Mm-hmm. And that's why companies also need to have money to ensure that people are still on their payroll so that when this all passes, it'll be like flipping a switch and people go back to work and revenue is generated and tax revenue is generated yet again. So despite like you're talking about, you know, all of these programs and the the, the stimulus package or, or the, the money intended to support businesses, mm-hmm. um, are they, is it enough? Like, are they keeping the, their, their doors open? Because based on what you just listed, people are not, like maybe this isn't enough. Maybe people would rather just wait it out and try to figure it out once this is all over. What's happening? Yeah, the question of whether or not is enough. I think that's an evolving question on a day to day basis. <laughs> so chances are the answer is no. Yeah, and we'll have to wait to see what further measures look like from the government. But as as Trudeau has pointed out, as I reiterated earlier in this podcast. Nothing's off the table. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think, like, so we talked about politics first, and then we talked about the the economics, but this is a health pandemic. Like, <laughs> this is about people. Like, we are losing people. People are not surviving this. So I think, yeah, we, no. we got to really talk about where we're at in terms of the health of this all. This is a health yes. crisis. Yes, and the, the, the health concerns of this are massive, and... Um, we got a glimpse of just how bad it can get here in Ontario this past week. So this past week, that's the week of March 29th, Canada's chief public health officer, Dr. Tam, said that over the next two weeks would be crucial because we'd find out if we were flattening the curve or not. I'm sorry to say it turns out that that is not happening so far. And to be clear, she still expected the numbers of cases to rise. So that's not the problem in and of itself. But she and other experts would be watching the rate of infections and how quickly it's escalating in order to determine whether stricter measures are needed. There were more than 6,250 identified cases of COVID-19 in Canada and 63 deaths. At the time of this recording, that's exactly a week later, patients. Mm -hmm. We're now at more than 14,000 confirmed and presumptive cases and 274 deaths. This thing is alarmingly, it is growing at an alarming rate. It's wild. It's wild. It's like, so how? Wild. Like, how? stay at home, fam. Like, what? But why? Why are people out and gallivanting Honestly. when they don't need to? Oh I saw God. a video, to me, you know, Tamika, Tamika showed me a video yesterday mm-hmm. of, of these, these, <laughs> these little wangster kids from Durham. Like, Oh. These three, these three youths on their bikes at a at a crosswalk, and so the person pulls up. Or it was a three. I think it was like five or six of them actually. Six of them. The driver pulls up, recording these kids saying, "Don't you realize you should be at home quarantined?" And you should hear these rude, disgusting kids in response. First of all, acting like they know <laughs> what the parameters are, which they didn't. Yeah, but. But saying they didn't have to listen. Oh, oh, what? There are still people. There are still problems. I'm going to call them problems, not people. There are still problems right. that are making this issue worse, making this virus worse. You know what? And that brings up like the, these things that have been kind of all over the internet about young people thinking that this is not going to affect their health, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's... They they targeted us millennials first, but we're not dumb enough to to do that stuff. But definitely Generation Z, like people who are are younger, d- don't feel like like this is about them, right? No. So I think no. that that that's totally part of this. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, you know, Doctor Tan has been making clear that, especially over the next, I guess, week now, because it's been already a week. She's watching what's happening in Ontario, Quebec, and Alberta in particular, because all of those three provinces are seeing a heightened uh, rate of transmission from community transmission. That means no link to international travel whatsoever. So mm-hmm. 65% of the cases right now are mm-hmm. from community transmission. Why we're not taking this more seriously, I don't know. And we also know that Quebec is now the epicenter of Canada when it comes to the virus. Yeah. And that Ontario will be expecting expecting 3,000 to 15,000 deaths by the time this passes over the next two years or so. 
no matter what kind of measures we have in place. Wow. Scary. 15,000 is scary. Like 15,000 is getting to the point where you're going to know someone who knows someone who dies of Mm COVID-19. That's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Now, you know what's, you know what the good news in that is? And I, I guess I haven't mentioned it, but the good news is that based on the measures we've taken to date, we've dropped that number from 100,000 deaths. Wow. It would have been 100,000. So even though this 3,000 to 15,000 is still stark, it is still a horrible number to see. It could have been way worse. Yeah. And so that puts into perspective the fact that we need to adopt more stringent measures to ensure that we are limiting the amount of deaths and we are limiting the amount of cases to as low as possible. That's my opinion. I'm not sure if you agree with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like we have to like stay at home. You know, I was, I was looking online. Um, some people were, I guess, working all day and, and had their gloves on, um, and, and got some McDonald's on the subway and were eating their McDonald's with their gloves on. Have you seen that one? I, you know what? I haven't seen that. What I, uh, (laughs) I, I can tell you a, a personal experience of mine earlier this week. Can I do that? Yeah, please. On Friday, I think it was, Tamika and I went to a drive through locally um, at a, uh, a Taco Bell. Okay. And no one there, no one, none of the staff uh, had masks. And at one point, the woman at the drive through window was looking down into my bag of food, particularly the open bag of fries, right? And talking. Oh, my, oh, my goodness. Okay, so patience, I wanted to break it down the way I did, because to be frank with you, I blasted her. Oh, and I know, and I, 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 it was wrong to do, and I apologize. Well, she has to learn. Me. She has to learn. She has. But I to said, learn. "Why don't you have a mask on?" And you're talking over my food. Honestly. And I looked in the window, and I saw that no other people had a mask on. And by droplets, the way, patients, and by the way, patients, there is a local convenience store that has plenty masks. So this is not a question oh, of whether or not there are enough. Yeah, to yeah. This is ignorance. Honestly. So I, I said, why don't you have, okay, I'm sorry for yelling at you, but why don't you have a mask on and why are you talking over my food? She went on to say, well, I don't exhibit any symptoms, but we also now know that people may have it and not exhibit symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. You're not I mean, taking especially, seriously. yeah, especially when dealing with, with products that will enter people's bodies, you know? So I, I, I kind of get like, if you work at Canadian Tire, you know, maybe you, like you that's know, a little different. Your, that's a little different, but girl, you serve food. Come you on, put you are very, very close to people's food. Things that are going to go into people's bodies. I don't understand. Like, can we? But yeah, you're right. It's it's the sheer ignorance of it makes me feel like like this is almost impossible. Like, how are we going to make sure that everybody understands the the various ways that this can be transmitted and and then controlled, you know? Because it's only when you understand how it is transmitted that you understand how to control for it. Agreed. 
Agreed. Oh, the sooner yeah. we figure that out, the better, because now Ontario sits at 3,600 cases, literally 3,630 cases, whereas last week we were at 1,706. So we've got to figure it out. We've got to figure it out. I'll leave you with one piece of information just to yeah. show you how, I'm going to say effective, how viral this pandemic mm-hmm. is. And the fact that it does not discriminate against anybody. Now, the numbers I'm about to share are based on the 1,706 confirmed cases from last week. Mm-hmm. So the breakdown may have changed a little bit. But based on last week's numbers of confirmed cases in Ontario, 50.2% are male, while 49.1% are female. So again, it does not discriminate based on sex. Yeah, that's 50-50, yeah. The median age is 50, ranging in, le- in age from less than one to 100 years of age. So again, it does not discriminate based on age. Which is wild. Like, if you think about that from a statistical modeling perspective, every single researcher is like, how is that even possible? That the median age is 50? Like, that's crazy. Crazy. Right? Mm -hmm. And we also know that there, you know, yeah, there's a breakdown between uh, urban and rural areas. And 61% of the cases are in urban areas, but there's still a whole 40% in rural areas. So it doesn't matter where you live. Yeah. And finally, we also know that 26.3% of cases had traveled in the last 14 days and become ill. We know that 9.6% had close contact with a confirmed case, but we also know 16.2% had neither. And 47.9% have exposures or exposure information pending. So seriously, guys, we need to take it seriously. If we can, we need to stay home. For all my Jamaican listeners, Tanayayad. Anyone who loves the news or anyone who loves politics just loves to talk about Donald Trump because it doesn't make any sense, okay? He is driven mm. by means that you and I cannot understand. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so what, if anybody who has a, an iPhone got an alert a couple of days ago that said um, that Trudeau is, is pissed right now because Trump mm. is not allowing personal protective equipment, particularly respirators, to be exported from the U.S. into Canada. Mm-hmm. Fam, I understand. <laughs> I understand. You know, things are getting hard out here. The U.S., the numbers are out of, like, our numbers are are really uh, just a margin of what they're experiencing in the U.S. Yeah, and I feel less for per them. capita. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel for them. But you know mm-hmm. what, Trump? Is this a matter of politics or is this a matter of doing the right thing? Just because one company is, you know, exporting personal protective equipment that will save lives doesn't mean that people in your country will not live. You know, it's, it's, this is all a mess. Yeah. And at the same time, (laughs) I wonder if certain people are going to, to, to at me because of this, but I actually wonder if this is Trump's fault. Oh, absolutely. I'm sorry. I, I agree. I agree. You snooze, uh-huh. you, you like you snoozed, buddy. You hit that snooze uh-huh. button how many times? Talk about uh-huh. chloroquine, uh-huh. fam. <laughs> like, but but here's what I'm getting at because we had, for example, Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Shout outs to her. 
She blasted him. She blasted him. But she blasted him saying, why are you sending equipment overseas when, to to be real, every country, every developed country was doing that, sending it to China in the beginning of the pandemic, because that's what you're supposed to do to try to stem the flow at its origin. Right. So she blasted him and, you know, how the U.S. media circus is, obviously it picked up in the media circus. And so you have to ask whether or not this is a direct result of Maxine Waters' tweet. Ah. And if that's the case... I'm sorry, I, Trump isn't at fault here. He he does have to do what he has to do from a political standpoint to make himself look good. And now everybody's going to, a lot of people are going to suffer because of that. It's funny that you say that because the U.S. is not the first country to, to do this. You know, no. China did limit the exports of protective equipment um, earlier this year at the height of their outbreak. Mm-hmm. And the European Union has also introduced new rules that require special permits for any exports of medical products including um, personal protective equipment and ventilators from the EU member states. So like, you're right. This is not just um, a U.S. issue. But to be honest, like I thought that our relationship, our big brother, little brother relationship between Canada and the U.S. would have warranted a little bit more, a a little bit more of of a discussion because our border is quite porous, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's so much going across that border every single day, even in this kind of era, right? Goods, services, people who have special clearance are going across that border. So I, I thought that there would have been more thought given to um, Canada and our needs, um, given that where we, we share such a huge um, such a huge border. Agreed. And I, I can't believe I'm about to do this, but I'm about to quote Doug Ford. He said, we're the two largest trading partners anywhere in the world. It's like one of your family members says, okay, you go starve and we'll go feast on the rest of the meal. You know what he said? He said, I'm just so disappointed right now. We have a great relationship with the U.S., like you pointed out, and they pulled these shenanigans? Unacceptable, he said. Unacceptable. And I think everybody agrees. And I'll support you in, in you know, supporting Doug Ford right now. Doug Ford has also kind of come out and, and really changed his tune recently, you know, at the last um, press conference that, that Ontario held mm-hmm. or the, the second last one, because now they're happening like basically every day. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he asked, you know, people to 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 please be patient with him mm-hmm. that, you know, half of Ontario is, is calling the man's cell phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, asking what's going on, what's wrong with COVID? Uh, where's my mask at, fam? And you know, like he's telling all you people in Etobicoke North in Rexdale, shout out to Rexdale, um, who live in the writing. <laughs> Leave the man alone. He's trying to fix the province. He can't just be focused on Rexdale right now. Um, so you know, I, I appreciate, I really appreciate Doug Ford and and his his leadership, um, especially as as of recent. Uh, when it comes to, to COVID. No, I, I, I have to agree with you. And I'm a liberal operative, you know, um, yeah. I, 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 I was talking about this with a friend yesterday. I, I, and I said, and we said that anybody who disagrees that Doug Ford is doing a good job right now is, is truly living in an alternate reality, which would be a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, as a liberal, I expect that if not before this pandemic ends, then certainly after he's going to revert to his old self and there will be plenty of time to criticize him then 
but he is doing a fantastic job right now. He is doing what I think many, if not all, Ontarians expect him to do, and so he deserves our support in this time. So now is the time in the episode where we want to ask you, the audience, um, how you're managing. And we we have a, a, a couple of questions that we wanted to, to ask. Curtis, do you want to go first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a conversation with a friend earlier this week, and uh, he actually wanted me to ask this to my Instagram crew, my Instagram community. So I thought I'd open it up and ask to as many people as possible. Especially those of you who have family back home, whether it's Jamaica, Nigeria, Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. How has it been for you to send money to them? Have there been needs still? Have those needs been met? Have you found a way to support your family back home in these trying times? And if you haven't, how is it making you feel? Mm-hmm. And my question to you all is, there's all this, what I perceive to be downloading of responsibility happening. For those of you who are working from home and are also trying to teach your kids the the Ontario Ministry of Education curriculum, and you you may have a parent that is older that you need to buy food for so that they don't have to go out to the stores, which are essentially just full of germs now. How are you managing with all of this responsibility? Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We're releasing pods on a weekly basis, so subscribe to stay up to date. Remember, we're all in this together, and this forum is meant to be a sort of safe space to foster community. So slide in our DMs with any questions or feedback you have, and we promise to respond. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Patience Eve. And I'm on Instagram at State of Vermont. See you next time, everyone. Bye. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Stephen Fissett, who graciously provided artwork for this podcast. If you like what you see, you can find him on Instagram at Scarborough Debutante. That's Scarborough, D-E-B-U-T-A-N-T-E, for all your graphic design needs. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.